0: Let us stand and unite our hearts together in our call to worship. All your works praise you, Lord. They tell of the glory of your kingdom, so that all people may know of your mighty acts, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises. This is the word of the Lord. Let us unite our voices together and sing praise to the Lord Almighty. may be seated. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and welcome. Welcome to all those that are with us this morning, and welcome to all those who are watching us online or will be viewing us later this week by video recording. Good morning. I'm Darren Glassford. I'm the executive pastor here, and this morning we have Pastor Mark with us. Um, Pastor Mark is a friend of I'm um, Pastor Bill, and Pastor Bill and Mary Lynn have um, been in South Carolina this past week and are traveling home um, today, actually, so they'll be back with us next Sunday. Um, after the service, um, we will gather for coffee and for health food in the library out here um, to the stage left or your right as you go out, and we look forward to you joining us there and um, fellowshipping with us. Um, following the service, um, even though Pastor Bill is not with us this morning, um, Pastor Mark um, will be leading the discussion time, and he will be talking about his work, um, his missions work, down in classroom number one, um, downstairs by the covered in, um, north entrance. And um, I'll try to make sure he's there on time. Um, those of you that are regular attenders, you may want to put your arm in his arm and guide him down there when it's appropriate. So we welcome a um, couple things, um, lots of things going on right now. Um, next Sunday, um, hard to believe, is um, another outdoor service. Um, let's see, Labor, Labor Day? Yeah, Labor Day. Um, so we'll be gathering at 10 o'clock um, out by the pavilion um, over across campus. Um, we'll be joining Fusion and Watershed over there um, for our morning service at 10 o'clock. So bring a blanket, um, bring your chairs, um, bring whatever you're comfortable um, being in, and we'll meet outside. If there is rain, I'm not sure where the, um, where the rain location is, but we will get that. Is it here? It's here. Um, So, yes. Next Sunday, no celebration service, combined service across campus. Um, Wednesday, um, November, September 13th, boy, I'm jumping ahead. September 13th, oh, wait, skipped one here. Um, Go back. You can go back to that one. Sorry. Sunday. September 10th, after the services, from 1130 to 1 o'clock, we'll be gathering at Tunnel Park in the North Pavilion um, for a hot dog um, hot dog bar um, fellowship. So we look forward to seeing you there on Sunday, September 10th, after the service for a hot dog bar. And then September 13th marks the beginning of the fall programming. We'll begin with our annual carnival here in the parking lot. Um, the highlight of the carnival being the dunking booth all the pastors at some point in time are scheduled to be in the dunking booth. So I encourage you to um, inquire of Pastor Bill when he will be in the booth and um, take your opportunity to dunk him. Okay? And um, I should put a bonus on that. You know, but um, unfortunately, Jan and I will be on traveling that day, so you will not get an opportunity to dunk me. (laughs) Um, Park to Park um, needs volunteers, or if you would like to run, you can sign up on their website. And um, thank you again for being here, and we are excited that you have joined us um, this morning. Let us um, confess our faith together from the Heidelberg Catechism. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I... our series this summer has been entitled teach us to pray and one of the ways that you learn how to pray is by praying and you stumble through it and you are sometimes lost for words and at times you just merely sit there in silence because you don't know what to pray and all of that's okay because the way that you actually learn to pray is actually not by studying pray prayer but by praying so this morning, um, for our pastoral prayer, I'm going to um, I'm going to do something a little different since Bill's not here, and um, I'm going to begin us with a time of prayer, and then I'm going to ask you all to pray for aspects of, of ministry and things going on in the world. Um, you are free to pray silently. You are free to pray out loud where you are sitting. Um, you are free to get on your knees. You are free to stand on your pews and dance if you want. Um, and so I will walk you um, through. We'll take about 15 seconds only for each area. I don't want to create awkward um, time for anybody. And then we will conclude our time, um, our prayer time together by um, reciting the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you that we can come um, together as a people are in various stages of our journey of faith for some we're at a stage of faith where we're wrestling what used to make sense doesn't make sense anymore for some we long for the promised land that we see in a distance for others we're hanging on um, sometimes even by a thread in our walk with you and so lord we thank you that we can come into your presence and that we can pray that we can pray the desires and the hopes and the dreams and the fears and the concerns of our hearts, and that you hear us, and that you respond, sometimes not in a way that we expect, but you respond in a way that is true, that is beautiful, and that is good. So we unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray this morning for the worship services taking place across campus with Fusion and Watershed for Pastors J.B. and Aaron. Let us pray for our sister congregation, Missiôn, that will use this space this afternoon as it worships together. Let us pray for our young people as they head back to school, as they head back to college, some of them for the first time, and for their families during this time of transition. Let us pray for the children and youth ministries of this church. Let us pray for Hardwick Ministries as a whole. Let us pray for each other, for the members of this community that we know that are struggling with health issues, with mental health issues, who are facing trials and tribulations in life. Let us remember Jake and Rachel Campan this morning, serving in Yamagala, Honduras. Let us pray for our government and for those in authority over us. And now, Lord, we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, a prayer that helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen this morning after we sing together be that my vision pastor mark um, will be joining us and um, bringing opening god's word to us um, pastor mark is a missionary who works with um, churches and people um, serving the the Muslim community and I'll have him share a little bit more about that when he comes. So Mark, you please feel free to um, come to the pulpit after we sing Be Thou My Vision.
1: Good morning to each of you. I think that man might be doing, uh, the, when we hear the last trump, it might be Ken. That was amazing, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, I have uh, a confession to make and then a couple of questions. So uh, I think I'll start with a question first. Is anyone in this congregation named Smith or Jones? Would you raise your hand? There's one. One? one. Okay. Now my confession, I'm only one quarter Dutch. Is, is it okay if I'm, is it all right? I'm okay here? Okay, thank you. <laughs> and here's my other question. If I hit a point today that resonates with your spirit, does it ever happen in your church that someone says amen? Does it, it I think I heard somebody really, that was really cool. Okay. Well, it is a privilege to be here, and and I'm blessed by Pastor Bill to be invited. Um, I will be sharing a a message called, Kick Us Out, Lord. And so, let's go on this little journey together, and I'm hoping that this remote works, because saying next, okay. I just want to share a little bit, first of all, about my wife and me. My wife, my better half, is not here today. Her name is MJ, or Mary Jane. And so our primary ministry is reaching out to Muslim people. Uh, we've been doing that now for about 15 years. I was a pastor for over 25 years, and um, and then I went to a seminar. Uh, this seminar was held in Dearborn, Michigan, which is uh, predominantly uh, a Muslim city here in Michigan. And uh, I don't know how it jumped back. Did I do something there? Should be four. Let's, oh, too. that's sensitive. I think I got it from here, but let me try. So that seminar was called The Glory of the Impossible. And it was based on the legacy of Samuel Zwemer, one of our heroes. And here we are pictured at his grave a few months ago, right here in Holland. Have you ever seen his grave? Do you know who Samuel Zwemer is? One of the greatest missionaries of all time, to the Muslim world. In fact, he was called the Apostle to Islam. He's buried here. He's from this area. Uh, he spent uh, his whole, gave his whole life, he and his wife, uh, in serving people in what's called now the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, they lost two daughters you know, when they were living in Bahrain, the little island off of Saudi Arabia. They're buried there. And so, you have quite a legacy right here in Holland, of the great uh, Samuel Zwemer. And so we've been reaching out uh, to Muslim people, and I want to just tell you a little bit about what we do and where we go in that work. And so the first thing we do is evangelism. We want Muslim people to know who Jesus is. The second thing we do is that we go to churches, We do a lot of seminars, weekend seminars, on how people can reach out to Muslims with genuine friendship and the gospel where they live. So that's equipping and educating. The third thing we do is we recruit people to go to the 1040 window, that area of the world uh, where there are so few people that know Jesus. Um, And so we enlist. And then the fourth thing we do is when we travel... We really want to encourage missionaries because it's hard being a missionary. We live stateside. We travel to the Middle East quite often. I just returned um, from my last two trips. I was in Jordan twice, and then I was in Saudi Arabia, uh, Bahrain, and the UAE. Uh, These are countries that we feel very much at home in. Uh, We love the people there. Uh, people often ask us when we travel to these places, is it safe? And we know what they're really asking is, aren't you afraid that someone in the Middle East might kill you? And so we have an answer for them. Here it is: Yes, we're afraid they might feed us to death. If you look at the man at the top of the screen, we helped lead a group to the Middle East, and we were in a restaurant, and you can see the man kind of with his hand up. He's He's trying to tell the server who's trying to give him more food, please, I can't take any more. And so the hospitality in the Middle East is so great. So no, we're not really afraid they will physically kill us, but we are sometimes afraid they'll feed us to death. So as I mentioned, my message today is kick us out, Lord. It's based from this text in Matthew. Would you please stand with me if you're able uh, for the reading of God's word? And what I'd like to do is, if you can see it clearly, would you read along with me? Is that okay? All right, here we go. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." That's the Lord's word. Please be seated. Thanks be to God. For His Word, and so my message with you today is three points, and it's each point is a prayer. The first one is, "Help us see, Lord, help us see like You see." So, what are you? Uh, what do you see when you see people who haven't yet put their faith in Jesus? What do you see in their in their spirits? Jesus, Matthew recorded, saw the crowds, but the Greek word that Matthew uses means more than just to see someone externally. I'm guessing that as soon as I walked up here, something, some different thoughts went into your mind, because we always do when we first see someone. We make different kinds of evaluations or we have different kinds of opinions, but Jesus saw more than externally. He saw more than on the outside. He saw inside. He discerned. He perceived. And so the Bible says that He saw the crowds. And so I want to share some examples with you of times when I have seen people outwardly, but God gave me a heart to see them in their lostness apart from Christ. You know, it says in Ephesians 2 that before we knew Christ, we were without hope and without God in the world. And so I was in the Grand Rapids Airport getting ready to travel south uh, to speak somewhere, and I saw Scott. And I saw Scott's open laptop On a table in front of him, and so I just immediately said, "Uh, Scott, I find your your decals on your laptop very fascinating. Can you tell me more about yourself? He was an army vet, and we began to talk, and and I found some common ground with him because the man who led me to Christ when I was a 10-year-old boy had been in the Bataan Death March in the Philippines in World War II. And so I talked to this man about it. Of course, being a veteran, he had heard of that. And it immediately gave us a common ground with which to speak. And then I said, you know, I see, Scott, you've got something on there about hell. Hell was full. So you came back and you tell me more about that. And uh, he did. And then I said, you know, my job, Scott, is to help people not go to hell. Can I just share with you a little bit? Because I don't have a decal on my laptop. But I do have a decal right here on my phone. Can I show you what that is? It's called the Three Circles. And the Three Circles is just a way to share the gospel with people. And when I'm in the room afterwards with some of you, I can share a little bit more about that. So Scott, did, I, did he get on his knees right there in the Grand Rapids Airport and say, What must I do to be saved? No. But I was able to plant seeds in his heart because I saw him the Holy Spirit had me see Him. Here's the three circles. And very briefly, the three circles, um, you see the heart on the upper left. The heart just means that God created us, and He wanted always to have a love relationship with us as a perfect Father. I grew up all my life without a father. I didn't meet my father till I was 22 years old. And so, Having a heavenly father means so much to me. God wants to have a loving relationship with people, and that's the way he created Adam and Eve. But, of course, they broke the rules. They were like Frank Sinatra. They did it their way. And Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And so they had to leave the garden. They ran away. People run away from God every day. And when they do, they wind up in that second circle that we call brokenness. Brokenness isn't the same as sin. Sin puts us in the place of brokenness, and people try to get out of that second circle in all kinds of ways. And what we find as we travel all over is that most people try to get out of that circle, or many, through some form of religion. They think if we just do enough good things that, that maybe God will welcome us. Maybe, maybe someday when we die, the scale will weigh in our favor and he'll let us in. But you can't get out of brokenness in any way except where you see that little guy who ran away from God is now on his knees. The Bible calls it repenting, right? What does repent mean? You all know it means to make a U-turn instead of going my way. Now I've decided to go his way. And so he sees in that third circle, he hears the message that Jesus came down from heaven to die for us because we could not be good enough to go to heaven. We couldn't do enough. Jesus came down, he died on the cross, he took uh, the punishment that we deserved, he rose from the dead. But here's the thing that most people don't get we need to make Jesus king of our lives, ruler of our lives. And so then you come around between that third circle, going back to the first, and you see that that man now is alive. He's risen spiritually from the dead. Is his life easy now? No. In fact, his life might be harder, but now he's forgiven. Now he has restored relationship to a perfect father who loves him. So this is a three circles uh, presentation of the gospel that we share uh, with people everywhere. This is uh, another uh, person or people that I was blessed to share the gospel with using the three circles. And these are uh, my wife's aunt and uncle. They are in their 90s. And I was so blessed to share the gospel with that gentleman, in uh, uh, my, my wife's uncle. And he, I said to him, um, why do you think Uh, No, I'm sorry. I said to him the old evangelism explosion question. If you were to die tonight and appear before God, and he said, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would you say? This is the greatest question to find out what people are depending upon for their salvation or to, to get to heaven. And he said, well, my dad taught me to be good, to be a good person. Ever since I was a little boy, he taught me to help other people, and I've done that all my life. And so then I said to him, Gene, um, can you tell me why Jesus died? Now, I'm really (laughs) embarrassed. I'm a Presbyterian. Is that okay? By the way, I should have confessed that first too. I'm a quarter Dutch and I'm Presbyterian. But we're cousins, right? Christian Reformed, Evangelical Presbyterian. So I asked him, Gene, why did Jesus come and die? And he just looked down and said, I really don't know. And the hard thing about it was that he had been uh, an elder, a ruling elder in uh, a Presbyterian church, USA, not my denomination. And I was just like astounded when he said, I really don't know. So I shared the gospel with him using the three circles and he put his faith in Jesus. It was so great. This man over 90 years old, hearing the gospel, it seemed like for the first time. And then we went back to their, um, their little uh, Apartment, and uh, I told his wife about what, what he had done, and she said, Well, I want that too. And then she prayed with us. Now, what if I'd have said to myself, You know, this couple, they're really great people. They're wonderful people. They help people, they love people. But I was able to see, God helped me to see that they were still lost. There's so many good, quote unquote, people that are lost and they need Jesus. They're all around us, they're everywhere, they're in your community. And then God has brought so many people to our country from other countries. For some of us, that's hard. For some of us, that's difficult. Um, I want to encourage you to look at Paul's sermon um, on Mars Hill in Athens in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, where he said, God is the one that's determined the times and the boundaries of where people live. So if there are immigrants and refugees and international students here in the U.S., guess who brought them? Well, Paul said, God did. Oh, that was so great. I was hoping. (laughs) Thank you. So God brought this man from Algeria, and we met him in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And every time we go to Phoenix to see two of our three sons and their families, we go to this market, and there he is. And, you know, I always pay attention to him. I ask him questions when he's not so busy with his business, selling his yogurt. And I find out who he is. You know, people in the service industry, so many people treat them poorly. But if you show attention to them, the next time you go into their place of business, they'll remember you. They'll appreciate you. And what's more, it can open up the door for you to share something of God's love. And so I was able to share the Three Circles with Mr. A from Algeria. He said, uh, when are you going back to Michigan? I said, well, it'll be tomorrow. He said, wow, I won't see you for another year. And I said, probably another year. He left his customers, came around the counter, and gave me a big hug. Now, is he ready to accept Jesus yet as his Savior? No, he's not. But you know what? He's heard. He's heard because God blessed me by being able to see him. And then this is another gentleman that God's brought He's from Iran. He said, I got so sick of my religion that I threw it in the trash. And I said, well, can I share with you something different? And was able to share with him again. You know, so much of, of sharing our faith is, you've heard the term, it's planting seeds. And Because you don't know when the next seed will be planted. You don't know who's going to water. You don't know when God is going to bring the growth. And so today... And tomorrow and the next day, you're going to see people. How do you see them? Jesus talked in Luke 15 about two kinds of people and two kinds only, lost or found. And so may the Lord help us to see people who were lost like Jesus saw them. And then our next point, our next prayer is help us to feel, Lord. Help us to feel, Jesus, the way you felt when you looked out over the crowds. The Bible says he had what? Compassion. He looked at people, lost people with compassion. Now, the Greek words that Matthew uses there, compassion means to feel something deep, deep, deep on the inside. I I liken it to something all of us have experienced and none of us uh, wanted to. And that is when you get that call on the phone and someone says to you, I think you need to sit down. I've got something to say. And then they proceed to tell something that just hits you right, if I can use this word here, in the gut. It just hurts so badly. And, I, and, and I'm so intrigued that Matthew would use this kind of word to speak about Jesus when he looked out over crowds and saw them. They were helpless, Matthew writes, and they were harassed. Now, the word harassed, as you can see, it means to be made to lose strength, weakened, exhausted, despondent. It means, it can even mean an animal that is, that is literally pulling the flesh apart. And so, that's the way Jesus saw people. He saw people as being under the sway of the evil one, and they're being torn apart emotionally. Spiritually and sometimes even physically, and they were helpless. It's, it's like a wrestling term or a term used in, in battle that means to be thrown down to the ground, to experience a mortal wound. Isn't the, aren't those words fascinating for how Jesus viewed lost people? Lost meaning people who don't yet have a shepherd in their life. They don't yet know Jesus. There was a... a painting done uh, by someone that we've been blessed to meet. And this painting was about a vision that General William Booth had. I think you know that name, General William Booth and Catherine Booth, the people that uh, started the Salvation Army. William Booth said he was uh, on a train and he he just had like, I don't know if it was a dream or a vision, but he saw in the night this, this night with a terrible storm. This night was an angry ocean and lightning and thunder. And he saw jutting up out of this ocean a rock. And around the rock was a platform. And on the platform were all kinds of people just living normal life. They were going about their business. They were going about their school, their hobbies, their recreation. They were just living life. But there was another group of people that was in this picture, in this vision. And these were the people that were in this angry, stormy ocean, and they were perishing. They were drowning. And he said that what struck him so much about this vision is that most of the people on the platform didn't even notice the people in the water who were dying all around them who were drowning. And he said, but there were a few. There were a few who saw them and were doing everything they possibly could to rescue the people in the water because they were throwing life preservers. They were putting out rowboats. Some of them were even uh, diving in the water, risking their own lives. And some of them uh, died themselves to rescue the people in the water. He said, what struck me is that most of the people, though, that were on that platform didn't have any care, any agonizing care about the people who were drowning right before their eyes. I've always been so struck by that story, and it reminds me of someone closer to our time, Richard Wormbrandt, who wrote the book. Maybe some of you have read it. I think it's a classic uh, it's called Tortured for Christ. Richard Wormbrandt uh, was imprisoned by the communists for 14 years. He suffered so incredibly for his faith. He had, God had given him a love even for his captors and those who held him in prison, the communists, and he would pray for them and he would love them. But listen to something that relates to this second point about help us, help us to see and help us to feel the second point. He said, in the first days after my conversion, my conversion to Christ, I felt like I would not be able to live any longer. Walking on the street, I felt a physical pain for every man and woman who passed by. Now, listen to these words. It was like a knife in the heart. So burning was the question of whether or not he or she were saved. I read something recently that that struck me, and Pastor Bill and I had some conversation about it, and and it was, uh, you know, I'm from a I'm from a Reformed background. I've I've been ordained in my denomination since 1986, and so I believe in these these great Reformed doctrines that we've received, and and I I, I love them, but what concerns me is that sometimes. Like I read on this website recently, this person said, we don't really need to tell, verbally tell people about Jesus unless we are solicited, unless someone asks us. But rather what we should always be is what Paul called an aroma of Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, (laughs) you may never ask me to come back to this place again. But can I just literally beg you, please don't take that position. People need to hear with their ears, from your mouth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If all we are to do is live a good life and let our good works shine before men that they might see our deeds and glorify God in heaven, I get that verse. But if that is all we're to do, hey, there are people that live just as good a lives as some of us that don't know Jesus. I know some people that are Muslims. They live excellent moral lives. They're kind. They're gentle. They're humble. They're hospitable. But guess what? They're lost without Jesus. There are Mormons. There are Jehovah Witnesses that live good lives, but they're lost. And so just for us, just to live a good life in front of people who don't know Jesus can I just say to you, it's not enough. It's not enough. There's so much more. There are 3 billion people, 3.2 actually, billion people in this world who woke up today in spiritual darkness. And those 3.2 billion people are people that we call the least access ones. They live primarily in that 1040 window that I spoke of earlier. What this means is that these people have little or no access to the gospel. It means that in their lifetimes, it's likely that they will never have one of the three B's around them. A Bible in their language, a believer in Jesus, or a body of Christ, a church. And I don't know about you, but that bothers me. I want to see that change In fact, maybe there's somebody here today that feels that they could leave the comforts of Holland and go to a place where these people have never heard, they've never had yet an opportunity. Help us to see, Lord. Help us to feel, Lord. We feel for the man in this picture who's from a country that most of us have perhaps never heard of, Mauritania. They say Mauritania. We've been so blessed to build a friendship with this man. And I got to share the gospel with him. I used, again, the three circles uh, on my phone. He didn't really know. He said, he said is, when I got to the cross, he said, is that why I see crosses on buildings in America? He, he really didn't know. He hasn't heard. Now he's heard. Help us to see, Lord, and help us to feel And then our last point, for which I took the title for this message, kick us out, Lord, kick us out. So what are we saying there? Where does it come from? Well, let me ask you first, what are you willing to do? And where are you willing to go to reach out to lost people? I know we're in Holland. I know there's such a wonderful uh, environment that's been here for a long time. But I can absolutely assure you there are lost people all around you, and some of them, perhaps many of them, have never heard a clear presentation of why Jesus came to this earth to rescue them. Ask the Lord of the harvest, Jesus said, to send out workers into His harvest field. Matthew uses strong terms throughout these these few verses. Send out. What does it mean in Greek? ek balo. Ek means out. In Greek, balo means to throw. And so the word to cast out, drive out, compel, expel. With a notion of force or even violence, it's where we get our English word ballistic. I don't think people say it at all anymore, but you used to hear people say that so-and-so went ballistic. They went off. And so this is a strong term. Why would Jesus use such a strong term when He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest, our Father, would send out, would thrust out, would compel people to go? I know why. I know why, because it's in me. Because I want to be comfortable. I want to be safe. I want to live in a place where I'm not afraid that if I share Jesus, people will— will be angry at me, will perhaps want to hurt me or even kill me. I want safety. I want security, and I want comfort. And can I just say, people, these are idols that, that, like Calvin said, our hearts are idol factories. And these idols keep us from going all the way with Jesus and having a fire in our souls for Him and for the lost. Kick us out. <laughs> I love this quote. By Pritchard, we need to pray that the Lord would kick some people out of the church. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we leave the fellowship. It just means that we find the time to be outside the four walls, to be with people who are lost, and seeing them and feeling what they feel, and then sharing who Jesus is. Well, let me conclude by saying my passion in this world every day is that lost people have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And can I encourage you, just with some, just with some tips, and I hope as I do that that I don't sound in any way condescending. I mean this very humbly, but I want to just encourage you, look for opportunities when you are with people that don't know Jesus to share the gospel to turn an ordinary conversation into a gospel conversation. My Uncle Bud was a Gideon where I grew up in western Kansas, and he always said to me, he called me Marky. He said, Marky, too many Christians look for excuses when it comes to sharing the gospel. We need to look for opportunities. And then I want to say, just look for bridges. Look for common ground. Look for things that as you talk that you can find common ground where you can then go into sharing the gospel. And then as you share the gospel with people, share with joy and share with conviction. I find that that even even as an extrovert, you know, it is easy for me to talk to people, but I know plenty of introverts that if you get them talking about their favorite restaurant, their favorite movie, their favorite music, they can talk for a long time. Do you love Jesus? Then people should know it. It should come out of you they should hear it and so just a few stories as i close i met mrs b at black wall street in tulsa oklahoma oklahoma i walked in i saw her i said how are you doing today she said i'm above ground i said what happens when you're below ground she just kind of shook her head and she said i'm mending my ways i'm mending my ways i said well tell me more about that and so basically what she was trying to say is she's trying to become a better person so she can get to heaven what most people believe and so I was able to to share the gospel with Mrs. B and I've done it a couple of times when we've gone down to teach in a university we ran into a man named Jeremy this is my wife we're at a restaurant she's wearing this Denver Bronco uh, pullover and this young man he's in his 30s he says to my wife and me are you Bronco fans and So we start talking about football. I love uh, football. I've been blessed to do chapels uh, for the Atlanta Falcons uh, several times. And we just began to talk football. And then I said, hey, can I just share with you something that's really important to me? And so I pull out my phone and I show him the three circles. You know what he did? (laughs) He said, I don't believe in that anymore. He said, I was saved he said, but then I learned more. He said, I've, I've turned my back on all that, and I just don't believe it. And then he just turned his back on us and walked away. It was just like that. You know, that's the way it is sometimes when you share Jesus with people. That's all right. Jesus said to expect it. It's okay. And then Mr. V from Cambodia, who, who uh, has a business right here in Holland. We got in his Uber, and he saw my wife's Bronco pull over. And once again, he says, are you Bronco fans? And uh, he began to talk. We began to find common ground about living in Denver. We had lived there in ministry. And then I asked him, are you from Southeast Asia, maybe Cambodia or Laos? He's from Cambodia. We shared about a man we know and love that has a ministry there in Cambodia. And then I asked him, what do you believe about how a person can go to heaven? He said, well, I believe all roads lead to the same place. He said, I believe God's made every religion to teach you if you're good, you'll go to heaven. And so we were able to share uh, the three circles with him, and here I am in his uh, restaurant here in town. He's an Uber driver, and his family has a restaurant. And so, uh, we're just trying to still build some relationship. I saw this man at a restaurant in outside Tulsa, Oklahoma, and his phone went off, and I heard it. It was an old song that uh, some of you may or may not be familiar with, called Hotel California. That was his ringtone. So I began asking him about Hotel California what he was counting on for salvation he said he said you know I'm a good person he's my wife died years ago he said now I have a girlfriend and she's uh in a care facility Uh, she can't walk and he said I go to see her every every day and I've done that for three years and people at the care facility tell me there's nobody like me that nobody nobody comes to see somebody like that so that's what I'm counting on And I just shared the gospel with him, but I walked away just so sad because I know he's counting on himself to get to heaven and not on the blood of Jesus. And then this dear man, the Lord brought this man on the right uh, from Iraq. We used to live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I had a, a partner. We would go out and share the gospel with Muslims every Thursday. That's my partners on the left. And we're watching a video about the prophets of the Bible. And this man from Iraq, this Muslim man, I shared with him John 3.16. This is after four years of building relationship. I shared John 3.16. Would you say it with me if you know it? For God so loved that He gave that whoever should not but have when I shared that verse with him, he said to me, Mark, can you believe it? God loves the world. He said, I thought your Bible only taught that God loves Christians and Jews. And this verse tells me that God loves me, a Muslim and an Arab. And he put his faith in Jesus. It was so Incredibly amazing. He went back to Iraq a month later, and he died. He had horrible kidneys. It was one of the hardest times of my whole life. But uh, God had to take me through. So just as I finish, can I ask you to do a heart check today or ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to do a heart check? Because evangelism isn't about methodology nearly as much as it is about our hearts. Hmm. What is the heart of Paul? What is the heart of Paul for lost people? Because we have this section in Romans 9 through 11 that's all about election. And yet in the middle of that section, Paul says, I'm speaking the truth, I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Talk about feeling. Paul is saying, I would trade places with my Jewish brothers and sisters. I want them to know Christ so badly, I would be willing to perish eternally myself. And look at the words he uses, great sorrow and unceasing anguish. Paul believes in election. He writes about it in three chapters there. And yet within him, that doesn't let him off the hook because he still has this great heart that burns for lost people to know Jesus. Would these words ever describe you as it relates to your heart and how you feel about lost people? Back to that whole idea about, well, we just need to live our life. We don't have to worry about telling anyone. God will take care of that. Well, how about this scripture? Would you, would you uh, read this with me? But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless... Someone tells them. You know, I used to have such a burden for people as it related to hell. We don't hear much about hell anymore. Jesus talked a lot about hell, and I don't want anyone to go to hell. And that was such a strong motive in my heart for sharing the gospel with people, but there's, there's, a, higher, there's a higher motive. There's the highest, and that is that Jesus might receive the reward of his suffering. And that's what I want more than anything else. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the dear people of this church that you love. You love every person here. And God, I want to pray if there's anybody that's here this morning that hasn't put their faith in Jesus, that they would do that today. They put their faith in Jesus alone, in Christ alone for their salvation, what He did on the cross. I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that You'd help us to see lost people, Jesus, the way You see them. I pray, Father, that You'd help us to to feel for lost people the way Jesus felt for them. And then, Lord, I pray that You'd kick us out, that we wouldn't— we wouldn't cling to our idols of safety and security and comfort. But we'd be willing to go outside the camp, as the writer of Hebrews said, and be with Christ where he suffered. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn is uh, an amazing song written by a truly amazing man. There is a fountain filled with blood. It was written by William Cowper or perhaps better pronounced, Cooper. And and I just want to share with you and encourage you, look up, uh, read about this man. He was a a contemporary and great friend of John Newton, but Cowper uh, suffered with depression uh, most all his life. Terrible, debilitating depression, uh, several suicide attempts. But he loved Jesus, and he knew where to find salvation. May we know that so deeply and share it with others. God bless you.
0: Thank you, Pastor Mark, for opening God's Word to us this morning. We appreciate it. Um, Pastor Mark will be out in the um, library area after um, the service for a bit to to greet anyone who would like to talk with him, and he does have some copies of his um, book available out there for you if you want to take a look at that. Pastor Mark challenged us to go forward as ambassadors for Christ, really, and just like learning to pray. You learn to pray by praying. You learn to live as an ambassador of Christ by striving to live as an ambassador. As Christians, we do that not as individuals. We do it because the Holy Spirit empowers us, and we do it in a community where we can pray for each other and support each other. So we are deeply grateful for what Christ has done for us and the calling we have to live as Christ ambassadors in this world to bring the message and to bring the outworking of that message in our lives to touch the lives of other people. So as we go forth from this place, may God go before you to lead you. May God go beside you to befriend you. May God go behind you to protect you. May God go beneath you To support you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen.